Amen. Okay, we're going to be in the book of Matthew 14. Matthew 14, we're going to be looking at verses 22 through 33. title of the message today is called, Faith Moves Us to Where He Is. Matthew 14, 22, immediately he, Jesus, made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone, but the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And then the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. Peter answered him, saying, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, Come. <laughs> Not sure he wanted an answer that fast, but he got one. So Peter got out of the boat, walked in the water, and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. Beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand, took hold of him, saying to him, Oh, you of little faith, why do you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. So a little bit of uh, background upon hearing of the death of John the Baptist, uh, Jesus' cousin, uh, also the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, uh, uh, making, preparing the way for Jesus, the Son of God, to manifest the Messiah of Israel. After hearing of his death, Jesus wanted to be alone. Unfortunately, because of how God was using him, the crowds found out where he was. They came to him. He had compassion on them heal their sick. He also miraculously fed a crowd. I'm not sure if this one was 5,000 with five loaves and two fish. And it says 5,000, it's 5,000 men. More than likely it was 20 plus thousand people there. Once again, he sought to separate the crowds from his team of disciples. And so he instructed his disciples to get into the boat, go to the other side of the lake while he took charge of dismissing the crowds that remain. And this is where we pick up our text in Matthew. So, uh, first point we want to look at, um, and, and I think we're using questions for our, our, our points here, is where is Jesus? So while rowing to the other side, as Jesus had commanded, they faced a number of obstacles. The difficulties they faced were these. It was dark. It wasn't just dark. It was pitch dark. It was black. The darkness of the evening. Also, they were facing the strength of the waves, the fierceness of the winds, the frailness of the boat compared to the storm that was battering them, the early hours of the night. But most importantly, what they were facing was the absence of Jesus. Perhaps Peter and the disciples had remembered the earlier incident in Matthew while they're going through the storm when Jesus was woken up in the middle of the storm and he, and he said this in Matthew 8, 24 through 26, Behold, there arose a great storm on the sea so that the boat was being swamped by the waves, but he, Jesus, was asleep. And they went and they woke him saying, Save us, Lord, we're perishing. And he said to them, Why are you afraid, O you of little faith? And then he rose and he rebuked the winds and the sea. And there was a great calm. Whatever the case, Peter wanted to be near Jesus. Why did Peter want to be with Jesus? Perhaps because being next to him is where he felt the most safe. If God be for me, the scripture says, who can stand against me? Perhaps being next to Jesus is where Peter felt most alive. The Bible says in him is life, and that life is the light of men. We don't know. 
I only know that it's my belief that Peter wanted to be with Jesus and Jesus was not there. Personally, I don't believe, and this is I just come to this conclusion, if I preach another message, I might see it differently. But for the purposes of what we're talking about here today, I don't believe Peter was really interested in walking on the water. I believe walking on the water was to me a byproduct of wanting to be next to Jesus. Peter wanted to be next to him so bad that when he saw Jesus and recognized him through the storm, in the middle of the storm, he blurted out for Jesus to help him to get to him, for Jesus to give the command that he might come to him on the water. Now, why is that important to us? That brings us to our second point. And I guess they're not all questions. But second point, faith moves me to where Jesus is. Faith moves me to where Jesus is. We often want uh, our faith to move Jesus to where we are. But oftentimes that can happen, but oftentimes faith moves us to where he is. Now, we're speaking metaphorically, right? But the reality is um, when we go through difficulties, Jesus is, is, is beckoning us or speaking to us or giving us a word, and it's up to us, just like Bobby was saying, it's up to us to receive that word and just to tag on to what he's saying. Just because you get a word doesn't mean that the word is going to be accomplished. It requires your cooperation. You've got to pray it out. You've got to believe it. You've got to walk it out, believing that what God said is done is going to be done. I want to use another passage to, to highlight this point, and we'll, we'll keep it, though, in the context of, of Peter walking on the water. In Acts 9, 10 through 18, the Bible says there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And the Lord spoke to him in a vision, saying, Ananias. And he said, Here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Rise and go to the street called Straight, and at the house of Judas look for a man of Tarsus named Saul, for behold, he is praying. And he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints of Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias departed and entered the house, and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road by which you came, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes, and he regained his sight, and he rose and was baptized. In this passage, Ananias is shown in a vision the Lord speaking to him to go and lay his hands on the man named Saul. And if you need to know about Saul, if you haven't really heard about who he was, we know him as the Apostle Paul. But before he was the Apostle Paul, he was the terrorist Saul. He was ravaging the church. He was uh, 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 going forth and, and, and putting them in chains, putting them in jail, even approving some of them to be killed. He had done all that he could do in Jerusalem, and now he wanted to go to Damascus, and it's on the way to Damascus that the Lord revealed himself. Well, it was this Saul that Ananias was told was in the city. Now, Ananias is a Christian. So the last thing you want to do is go out onto the water where there's a storm. If you're a sailor, you see a storm coming, you stay in port. 
right? If you're a Christian and you see a storm, a hurricane, category five, who has been named Saul, you don't go out on the water. But, Anna, but the Lord spoke to Ananias and, Ananias, and he said to him, I want you to go, get out on that water, get out in the middle of that storm, and lay your hands on him to receive his sight. Ananias said what most of us say, no way. Why? I'm not going out in that storm. I'm not putting my life at risk. Nevertheless, Jesus tells Ananias that that is where he is. God is at Saul's house. How do I know that? Because the same Lord who was speaking to Ananias in the vision was revealing himself and his will to Saul. And in order for Ananias to be where the Lord was, he would have to walk out on the tumultuous waters of that storm to get to where Jesus was. Are you understanding what I'm saying? Metaphorically, in this case, the storm was persecution and the fear of death. Ananias walked on the water. He went uh, to Saul's house in obedience to the Lord. And wouldn't you know it, he was able to walk on the stormy waters and the strength of that word and the strength of that vision. He got to where the Lord was at that very moment. But imagine the struggles that he was facing on the way there. Perhaps on the way there when he got on the water. Remember when Peter got on the water, he did okay for a minute as long as he kept his eyes on Jesus. But when he started looking at the storm, he began to sink. But maybe Ananias was getting out there and he got on that street and he started thinking to himself all the damage that Saul had done. Maybe he began to imagine himself being taken into custody. Maybe he imagined himself going to jail and even, even coming before a, a, a firing squad, which in that particular time they didn't have guns, but they had stones. But you know, Ananias, unlike Peter, didn't get his eyes off Jesus and, and the command that he was given. He just kept walking, but he was walking through the storm nonetheless. But he kept walking through that storm to get to the place where Jesus was. And he got to where Jesus was, and he did what Jesus told him to do. He laid his hands on Saul. Saul became one of the greatest uh, uh, teachers and, and uh, one of the greatest uh, uh, theologians that the church has ever seen. He wrote much of what we read today in the scriptures, but the product of, of, of that happening, the byproduct was Ananias' obedience to go out on the water where Jesus told him to go. Reminds me of another man by the name of Abraham. Anybody remember Abraham? Where's TR? You remember Abraham? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Abraham wavered not, the Bible says, as he walked through the midst of the unbelief that was screaming all around him. Romans 4, 20 through 21. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God. Now you might say to yourself, wait a minute. I, that to me, what it's saying is that he didn't waver by not having any doubt. If he didn't have any doubt, why did he have to grow strong in faith? You see, he was walking in the middle of the storm, and the storm, this storm was called unbelief. 
and it was screaming at him, and it was howling at him, and it was dark, and there was no light, but he kept walking on the strength of the promise that God had given him when he said to him, walk through the land, and every place where your foot uh, treads, I will give this to you. And Abraham, in the middle of the storm, walked out on that storm, walked out on the water, and he continued to walk. And what he found was, as long as he kept his eyes on Jesus, as long as he kept his eyes on what the Lord told him to do, he had the strength to do what he could not do in the natural. To me, this is akin to Peter walking on the water while the storm is raging all around him. In Abraham's case, he did not let the storm deter him from walking through the land of promise. Now, getting back to Peter. Like Abraham, Peter walking out onto the water was a result of his faith in the Lord who gave him the word to come. By faith, Peter stepped out of the boat. Now, I want you to know something. I don't fault Peter at all. To me, Peter is a marvel. Because I can almost promise you I'm not getting out of the boat. Right? And I don't think it was going to work if he just took his foot out there and tried to get out there and see if it was going to hold or not. I don't think that's how it worked. I think the way it worked is you got to be all in. You see, with God, that's the way things work. You're all in. Yeah, but I could be all under. Well, you're going to be all under or you're going to be all in? You're either going to be wet or dry. And it's not the Word of God that's at fault. It's whether or not we believe Him or not. And sometimes the reason we don't see the full effects of what God has promised to do in our life is because we're not getting out of the boat or we're kind of testing the waters and see whether or not we want to do it or not. But that's not the way it works. When Jesus gives you a command, there's strength, there's power in that word, and you've got to trust the word, and you've got to get out on the water, just like Peter did, just like Abraham did, just like Ananias did. It only works when you go in full force and say, okay, God, I mean, I could die. Remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? And whenever uh, 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 Nebuchadnezzar started talking to him, and he said, if you don't bow down, I'm going to throw you in the midst of this fiery furnace. And they said, well, you know what? Our God can deliver us, but even if he doesn't, we're not bowing down. That's the way Christianity works. I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking about a relationship. That's the way it works. Relationship with God is when Jesus gives you a word, you step out on the strength of the word, whether it or not it looks like it's going to work or whether or not everybody else is telling me it's impossible, it's not going to work. God does I mean, uh, things don't work that way, but I want to know, I want you to know that when God gives you a word and when God gives you a promise, it's not whether or not science can prove it. It's about what Jesus said, and Jesus is better and better and greater than anything that this world can, can throw at you. Cancer, there's no cure for cancer. I mean, they'll try, they'll do you all these kind of things. We say this, we can su be successful, but even the science will tell you, it said once you've had cancer, that you'll never, uh, they basically tell you it never goes away, you just go into remission. Right? But God is bigger than that. If God be for us, who can stand against us? Cripple, cripples can't walk. The lame can't, can't walk. The deaf can't hear. The blind can't see. It doesn't happen unless they go through surgery. Well, that may be the case in the natural, but it's not by might, not by power that we function, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Well, what do I got to do? You got to trust the Lord, and you got to get on the water, and you got to believe when he says come. 
You're not putting your faith in man. You're not putting your faith in pastor because I want to tell, I'll tell you from the very, I can't help you. I can't do it. But Jesus can. Right? I, want, I need you to set me free. I said, well, I can't set you free, but the Jesus in me can set you free. You understand? I know who lives inside of me. I know who's inside of me. Paul said it this way, it's no longer I that live, but Christ in me. Right? I don't have the ability to set you free, but if you get your eyes on Jesus, Jesus can use me and others in this church to help set you free. But it's Jesus that does the work. We're just proclaimers. We're just declarers. We just herald what Jesus has done and what Jesus can do. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. When you hear the voice of God, you see, you might hear the voice of God through my voice this morning. I told you about John the Baptist. John the Baptist at the beginning was Jesus' cousin, and he, he, was, uh, he was beheaded. And Jesus was, was sorrowful in grief because that was his cousin, Right? So the Bible says about John the Baptist when he was on the earth is he was the voice of one crying in the wilderness. John the Baptist was uh, the voice. The one crying in the wilderness was the Holy Spirit. And God is still talking today. And many times he'll, he can use me, he can use Bobby, he can use Marty, and he can use you. He is saying something and we become the voice. But if we, don't allow, if we don't allow God to use our voice, then there are people who won't hear Jesus saying, come. They're going through darkness. They're going through storms. They're going through problems. They're going through situations. And they're looking for hope. And the hope comes when a voice in the middle of the night says, I hear you. I'm here. I give you the strength. If you will listen to me and if you will beckon to the voice that's calling to you, it's Jesus that's calling, but he might be using your voice. And you say, why don't you put your trust in God? Why don't you believe in God? And they say to, them, they say to themselves, well, you know what? I think I'm going to do that. I think I'm going to believe in Jesus. I think I'm going to trust in Jesus. And you might think to yourself, and they might think to yourself, is this really going to work? But when they get out on the strength of the word, every one of us has a testimony of what happened when we believe someone that told us that if we will put our faith in Jesus Christ, we can be delivered from darkness and put into his marvelous light. I got saved. Because I believe the word that says, if you call upon the Lord, you shall uh, call, call upon the Lord Jesus Christ, you and your household shall be saved. I believed and I've been saved. I've, if God was faithful in that part of the promise, he'll be faithful in the other part of the promise. Like Ruth was saying, she's believing for her children. If God was faithful to deliver me and to save me, he'll be faithful to deliver my family and save them as well. How do you know that? Because let God be true and every man a liar. God is faithful and God is true. And if he says it, you can bank on it. Well, how is it going to happen? You got to get out there on the water and you got to trust him to do what he's going to do. By faith, Peter stepped out of the boat and by faith he walked in the power of God's word to do what God had released him to do. Paul said it this way, Romans 1, 16 and 17. I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation, the healing, the deliverance of all those who believe. For everyone, in that day it was Jew and Greek, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, but for everyone. There is no, uh, uh, there is no partiality with God. It doesn't matter if you're man or woman, black or white, young or old, uh, if you're rich or poor. The gospel is available to all. Well, what does it require for me to do? You've got to believe God. 
Unfortunately, sometimes when we have a lot, we don't need to believe God because we have the resources to believe the doctor, to believe the psychiatrist, to believe the engineer. We have the resources to believe the reports of all those around us. But that's why Jesus said, blessed is the poor in spirit. Not because they were poor, but because their option and their only option was God. Imagine if, if Jesus had said, come out on the water. I would imagine if Peter had any other options, he probably would have taken those as well. Got a bigger boat over here. I think I'll try that first. Got a miracle drug over here. I think I'll try that first. But get out on the water when you got no other options. Then all of a sudden, that looks pretty good. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It is the power of God for the salvation. That means, that means more than just getting a ticket to heaven. And we're not minimizing that at all. We want everyone to be saved. We want everyone to go to heaven to experience Jesus when you die. We want that. But salvation is more than that. It means wholeness. Jesus wants you whole. Spirit, soul, body, relationships, finances. Not just when you get up there. He wants you whole here. That's why he taught us to pray this way. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Where? Here on earth. The way it will be. The way it is in heaven. The thief cometh but to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you may have life and life more abundantly. No, it ain't about that. It's just about going to heaven. Well, then the best thing we could do is get people saved and dispatch them as quick as possible. No, amen. That ain't the will of God. Well, I'm trying to make a point. God doesn't just want you to get into heaven. And experiencing heaven when you die, he wants you to experience all that he paid a price for here on this earth. We're not, listen, we're not going to extreme. We're not saying that you're going to be wealthy millionaires and have three Rolls Royces and two helicopters and whatever it is. We're not talking about that. What we're talking about is having life and life more abundantly. People would give all their wealth if they, could, if they knew they could get better, if they could be whole, if they could be happy. And Jesus gives you that for free. Do you understand? He gives it for free. It's found in Christ. What do I got to do to be saved? What do I got to do to experience that? Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you and your household shall be saved. So I want to talk to three groups of people now. It's not a long message. Three groups of people. To the unbeliever, I want to talk to you today. And you might be here or you might be out on that, on that uh, internet watching today or some other time during the week. Are you in a storm? Do you feel as if the storms of life are battering you, sinking you, taking their toll on you? Perhaps today in the middle of the storm you hear the sound of the Lord. You hear the voice of God as he speaks through this preacher today or as he speaks through his people. Matthew 3 and 3 says, For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah when he says, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Romans 10 and 14, How are they to call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in one of whom they have not heard? And how are they here to hear without someone to tell them? John 3, 3 through 6, Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. 
what we're here to tell you today is that as difficult and as dark and, 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 and as confusing as life is, as dark as the night is, as, 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 as great as the winds are howling, as fierce as the waves are billowing, the voice of Christ is coming through my voice and through the voice of others. And he'll say to you right now that if you will just follow him, follow his voice and believe, he will give you the supernatural empowerment to be able to walk on the waters and the storms of life. He who, he, uh, Jesus said it this way, um, he who hears my word and does it, I will liken him to a man who built his house on a rock. And the winds blew and the waves billowed, whatever translation you may use. But no matter what happened, that house wouldn't sink. Why? Because it was built on the rock. We're not the rock. Our faith is not the rock. Jesus is the rock. You see, some people think, i got to keep my faith strong. Oh, i got to work my faith up. No, faith is trust in God. If you listen to God, if you're in a position where you hear God and obey Him, then you are being planted on the rock. You are being built uh, uh, into the foundation. You are drilling down into the foundation, which is Jesus. You don't have to uh, worry about the storm. Jesus is bigger than any storm because you're hidden. You are planted. You are built upon the rock. Psalms 91 uses a different, uh, different metaphor. It says, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And I will say to the Lord, My refuge, my fortress, my God in whom I trust. You are under His wings. And what happens when you get under His wings? And, and uh, uh, I've got to start from the beginning. My refuge, my fortress, my God in whom I trust. It is He that will deliver me. You want to pull that up for me? Let me, let me just turn there. I know this. I know it. <laughs> I just, I know it until I need it. He that dwells in the secret place of the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I always say to the Lord, hey, what is he saying? You are my refuge. You are my fortress. You are my God. In you do I trust. For he, God, he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions, and under his wings you will find shelter, refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and buckler. You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noon. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. Why? Because you have made the Lord your dwelling place. The Most High who is my refuge. No evil shall be allowed to befall you. No plague shall come near your tent. It's not you. It's God. And you become planted in Him. You hide yourself in Him. He is the one that brings you victory. He is the stronghold. He is the fortress. He is your peace. He is your healer. We hide ourselves in Him. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Romans 10, 9 and 10. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. For by grace you have been saved through faith. It's grace that saves you. It's faith that allows grace to come into your life. And this is not your own doing. Your, your works aren't going to do it. It is the gift of God not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. To the unbeliever at the cross, Jesus made a way for your salvation. 
Believing in him is what will allow you to be reconciled to him. His word and your willingness to put your trust and faith in his word will overcome all the obstacles and bring you next to, the, to, the, to, to him who loves you, dying for you, and beckons you now to come to him. To the backslider, second group of people, if you've professed the Lord Jesus sometime in your life, yet you're not living for him, if you're not walking according to his word, you're living outside of his will for your life, and reconciliation needs to take place, the good news is that he has made a way for you. 1 John 1, 5 through 2, 6. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar. Well, me and God are okay. Well, I don't think that God accidentally let this in his word. I think he knew that people were going to say, well, I'm okay, but do you believe him? Do you follow him? Do you keep his word? Do you keep his commandments? Or do you approach them as suggestions? Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Again, the good news is that if you're not where you need to be with God, all you got to do is call out to him. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, restored, whatever the case may be. Lord, I'm not living right. I, I was deceiving myself. I've been deluding myself. I've been saying I'm good with you, but if I follow your word and I go to your word, I realize I'm not doing it. I'm not living. I'm just, I'm just picking and choosing what I want to do. I'm outside of your will, God. I confess that. He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now I'm going to go a little bit different direction because this is going to apply to the believer as well. That may mean most of us in here. What if the ones in the boat hear the sound of the Lord walking on the water and hearing him, they want to be where he is? What if for you the Lord is calling you to do something that is as terrifying as the storm? Perhaps it's to step out into something that frightens you. Perhaps it's to go somewhere that paralyzes you. Perhaps it's to speak something that overwhelms you. Whatever it might be, that's where the Lord is for you. He is walking by, and your heart's cry is to be with him, to do what he's asked you to do out on the waters of life. It's scary, but you know, just like Peter, that that is the safest place to be. I hear what you're calling me to do, Lord. I see what it is, but I can't do it. It's impossible. There's no way. I don't have the ability. I don't have the talents. I don't have the resources. None of that is available to me. It's so scary, and the winds are blowing, and the, and the waves are billowing, and you're like, I want to do it, but the, but the storm is too thick. The, but Jesus says, if you'll come out on the waters, I will be with you. What is he calling you to do? Perhaps today he too is giving you a word 
It's a word to move out from where you are to where he's calling you to be. In the way stands the tumultuous waters and the fierce winds along with the darkness of the night. Like with Peter, if you will respond to him and obey his call to you, trusting in his faithfulness, you too, and I'm speaking to the believer, will find the strength to overcome the obstacles that presently stand in your way. Has Jesus been talking to you about starting a business? Has he been talking to you about going into ministry? Has he been talking to you about going to the mission field? What is Jesus talking to you about? In him and in his word, you will find the strength to overcome the obstacles that presently stand in your way. But you have to believe him. You have to face the storm. And you have to get out of your boat. And you have to walk on the waters and the strength of his word. Mark 11, 22 through 24, Jesus said to them, have faith in God. I think I heard Doug talking about that this morning. Have God-like faith. Truly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, what is a mountain? It's an obstacle. It's a problem. Well, I want you to know a lot of Christians try to live their Christian life by denying there's a problem. That's not faith. That's not faith at all. Oh, you don't look at the problem. You look at the word. No, sometimes in looking at the word, you've got to face the problem. You don't avoid the problem. You may know there's a problem, but if you don't look at it, it's not going to bother you. That's not faith either. What is God like faith does? It looks at the problem. You've been given a diagnosis, look at the problem. Don't avoid going to the doctor. Don't avoid getting to, you know, uh, the reports or looking at the reports. You look at it, but look at it with eyes of faith that God can help me to overcome any mountain. And whoever speaks to this mountain, you see, you have something to do. There is a part for you to play. Well, God's just going to do whatever he's going to do. Well, he's going to do what he paid a price for you to do, uh, for him to do through the, through the cross of Calvary. But are you going to do what you need to do in partnering with his word, partnering with his promises? You've got to speak to the mountain. Whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea and doesn't doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says in the context of this says is what he says and continues to say. Sometimes you've got to talk to the mountain more than once. Sometimes you got to deal with the problem more than once. Sometimes you got to go after it again and again and again, and you will move. You will move in the name of Jesus because this is what the Word of God teaches me. By His stripes I am healed. I may look in the mirror every morning and see pain and see a, 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 a withered uh, arm or see whatever the case may be, but it doesn't stop me. I said, it's still there, but it don't matter. You're going to move because this is what the Bible says. This is what the Word of God says. By His stripes I am healed. My children aren't serving God. You may say to yourself, they're not living for God. Maybe that's just what's going to happen. No, not only will you be saved, but your household is going to be saved. Well, they're not saved yet today. Well, then they will be tomorrow, or they will be the next day. I'm doing better today than I was yesterday, and I'm going to do better tomorrow than I was today. Why? Because my faith, I'm putting my faith and trust in what God says. And if it ain't happened today, it'll happen tomorrow because God's Word is true. I take communion every morning. Try to as much as possible take communion every morning. But I do it for this, way, for this reason. You see, a lot of people balk at, at uh, the confession of faith. I say, well, that, that's not, you know, that's, that's people, rich, rich people trying to get rich, name it and claim it. But God actually taught the confession of faith. And he taught it to Abraham. And he came to Abraham, appeared to Abraham, and he said, this time next year you're going to have a child. But his name wasn't Abraham, his name was Abram. 
which means exalted father. You can be an exalted father and not have children because you can be a father of an organization, a father of a tribe, not have any children. But he said, this time next year, you're going to have a child. That means it's going to be a while. It's going to be a year or more, but, you know, you're going to have a child, and here's what I want you to do. Do you trust me? Do you believe me? Here's what I want you to do. I want you to change your name from Abraham, which is exalted father, to, a, uh, to from Abram, which is exalted father, to Abraham, which is father of a multitude. He's barren. His wife is barren. Her womb is dead. His body is as good as dead. But God said, this time next year, you're going to have a child. But change your, change your name from Abram to Abraham. Everywhere he went, doesn't mean a lot to us, but everywhere he went, people knew. He would say, don't call me uh, exalted father anymore. Call me father of a multitude. <laughs> father of a multitude. <laughs> How old are you, Hunter? How old is your wife? Nine. Father of a multitude. What? You're going to get married again? You're going to have some more? What? You, even if you did, you can't do nothing. Father of a multitude. But you know why he did it? Because God told him to do it. Every time somebody laughed at him, he said, my name is Abraham. Every time he paid a bill, my name is Abraham. I'm Abraham. Well, I've been battling some stuff. You battle some stuff in your life? Been battling some stuff for a long time. I said, well, I, maybe, you know, God, I need to change my name. I, I didn't feel like you told me to do that. Right? Well, what way can I do, Father God, what you did with Abraham? How can I profess and confess your word on a daily basis? Because Abraham had to do this for six months or more until uh, Sarah got pregnant. Impossible. But God gave him the formula. I said, this is what I want you to do. I want you to declare my promise, declare my word. And sure enough, six months later, just like God said, Sarah said, I'm pregnant. And a year or more later, there's little Ishmael running around. And when little Ishmael's running around, Abraham don't care how many people made fun of him. Not little Ishmael, little Isaac. He don't care how many people are made fun of him because little Isaac is there. No, Ishmael, I love you, but uh, not now. Mm -mm. Isaac, this is a season for Isaac. Just want to see if you were paying attention. <laughs> so I asked the Lord, I mean, I was just coming up with, a, how do I do that? What do I do? How can I uh, make a profession of faith? I'm believing for healing, but I'm believing for, for my family to be to be totally with God, to be serving God, all my family, my immediate family, my extended family, I want them all to be saved. And I believe that promise is for me that you and your household shall be saved. So every morning I take communion and I say, God, this is my profession of faith. This is my way of saying I am Abraham. I am everything that you said that I am. And I will experience all that you experience. And it's my privilege to stand and declare by faith before I ever see it that it is. Because God is faithful and his word is true. Let God be true and every man a liar. I know what he's promised me. I know what he's spoken to me. And I remind him of those things. And I say, God, I will see it. Not because I'm good. Not because I deserve it but because you're faithful. And one day, little Isaac's going to run around, and I'm not going to remember the pain. And I'm not going to remember all the other things that took place before it happened. Little Isaac's going to be running around, and I'm going to experience the joy of the promises of God coming to fruition in my life.
you got to learn how to speak to the mountain. What do I speak to the mountain? The promises of God. This is what God says. Not just what God has said, but this is what God says. Well, I ain't moving. This is what God says. Mountain will talk back to you, I'm telling you. Yet that mountain is like a, like, a, like a rebellious teenager. It'll talk back to you. What do you do? This is what God says. Period. End of story. And that mountain will laugh at you. And that mountain will ridicule you. Just like Goliath and the Philistines. I'm sure every time that Goliath came out, the rest of the Philistine army was just laughing, taunting, mocking. But one day, it wasn't about the strength of the warrior or the size of the warrior. It was the, the, it was the fight that was in the war. And it, the Bible says, fight the good fight of faith. He believed God. And he stepped out on the water called Philistine Army. And he came up against the storm called Goliath. And he said, you come at me with sword and spear, but I come at you in the name of the Lord. And he went after it, and it fell before him. What are you facing today? What kind of things are standing in your way? What are the promises, and this is to the believer, that God has given to you, but you've allowed Goliath to intimidate you, to to cause you to hide in the tent and in the shelter of your home? I want you to know today that God's Word is true. God loves you. And today, if you hear the sound of His voice, whether you're a believer and God has called you to do something beyond yourself and you're afraid, if you hear the sound of his voice and step out on the water, God will meet you there. If you're backslidden, you're not where you need to be, be with God. And you say, well, I'm not backslidden. Man, you're cold. You're, you're lukewarm. You're not all in. And you're hearing the sound of my voice today. And you hear God calling you. The Bible says, if you will just confess your sins and, and be faithful, he, will be, he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. If you've never made a commitment to God, you're lost. Somebody told me that there are people from, the, from Pakistan that watch this broadcast. It doesn't matter where you're at. Doesn't matter what culture you have. If you're lost and you hear the sound of the Lord through my voice or through the voice of those that are here today, if you will just step out in faith and confess the Lord Jesus Christ and step out on the water, you will find that the word will hold you up. Where are you at today? What are you going through? What are, the, what are the storms that you're facing here today? I want you to know that the Word of God and Jesus is more than able to overcome every circumstance, every storm, to defeat every obstacle and circumstance and mountain that stands in your way.